Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse number 15. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but, turn your neighbor, say but, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Father, I pray, God, as we study your word today, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, be acceptable in your sight. I pray, God, that you would give us a word that is in season, a word to encourage us to walk your way and to go your way. The promises of your son, Lord, are yes and amen. So we thank you for that, God. We honor you today, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a, a, one of many firsts that you see in Genesis chapter 2. So I started off Genesis chapter 2. You see the first Sabbath, and uh, you encounter the first seventh day, so to speak. Then after that, we talked about the first garden. God created a garden, and he put man in it. Today, I want to talk to you from this thought, the first covenant. This, in essence, um, implies the first covenant. If you're wondering what a covenant is, let me read to you what my uh, Bible encyclopedia says. A covenant is a mutual obligation between two parties. In this case, it's an agreement between God and man. Your Bible's central theme is based on covenants. In fact, you have an old covenant and you have a new covenant. You call them testaments, but they are, they are covenants. They are mutual agreements between God and man. Another first that you're going to see in here is if you look in verse number 16, Lord God commanded. That is the first use of that word, command. In the Hebrew, it's a word called savah. And as you know later, in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, you'll see the Ten Commandments come into play. Where God commands, he aligns you to his covenant. Commandments and covenants go hand in hand. God is really trying to keep you and I on the path to be able to see the covenant realized. And the more and more that you walk by all that he says, the more and more it's easier to get to. It's kind of like directions. You follow Siri, you're going to get there. You just push go, and then usually it will tell you which way to go. With God, this is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. You want to know direction? You just follow God's word and you will always find your way. For this specific thing, there's a mutual agreement here between God and Adam in this passage. Remember who wrote this now. Genesis is written by Moses. And so from, from the, the lens that Moses is writing this, I can imagine him filtering it through the commandments that he's experiencing as he's writing this. Remember, they were in the wilderness. They had no idea where to go. And the only direction they had was a 
cloud by day and a fire by night. And the Lord said, follow me. And so they followed him through the wilderness. When, when the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the fire stopped, they stopped. When it went, they went. And it's a picture of what happens when you follow the words of God. You will always find yourself in the good graces and in the promises of God. If you really boil it down to life is really simple. You just follow what God says, you're going to be just fine. It's, it's us that really try to complicate everything and make things a lot more uh, um, difficult than they need to be. Here's a question for you. Just as Adam had a choice, there were two trees in the garden. In fact, there were multiple trees, but God specifically talked about two trees. Will you choose to obey God and follow God? Would you choose to follow his word? Or are you going to choose your own way? That's really the simplest way to look at things. If you look at your life today, I'm gonna, am I going to walk by God's statutes, by God's law, by what God decrees, or I'm going to go my own way? That's really the heart of the matter of everything today. One way will always lead to pain. One way will always lead to trial. One way will always lead to heartache. You follow God's way, you're always going to find his favor. You're always going to find his presence. And you're always going to see his promises fulfilled. And it's so funny because when we go wayward, we, we just, oh, my gosh, where are you, God? Well, it's not that God hadn't left. It's that you left. You went somewhere where you're not supposed to go. You ever heard the acronym, uh, the KISS method? Keep it simple. Silly. I told my kids that that word was a bad word, so I don't say that word. So we just say silly. This is a picture, what you see in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. This is the picture of free will. Could God have made it so that man would be protected from that tree? Yeah, he totally could have. Could he have posted angels there with flaming lightsabers so that if they come their way, come, come, come the way of the tree, they get uh, cut down? Yeah, he could have. Did God even have to plant that tree in the garden? Could he have done something different? Yeah, he probably could have. But this is a demonstration of free will. You can eat, Adam, of every tree in the garden, any of its fruit, all of it, except for this one tree. Don't eat this, or else you will surely die. Isn't it crazy how we will always focus on the one thing that you can't eat? Remember at the beginning of the month when we were fasting and we're not eating meat? I want a steak so bad. I want some pie. I want some cake. I want a friendly's donut. <laughs> but for 21 days, we couldn't eat that. Isn't it weird that you go that way? Everybody can have this. Eat as much as you want. Here's a buffet of food everywhere. But of this specific tree, do not eat this. Don't touch this. Don't go near it. Just, just leave it alone. 
Here is death, and here is life. Eat this, you're going to be just fine. You'll live. Don't eat this because you're going to die. What if life was really that simple to you and I? Where you and I would go, you know what? This is disobedience to God's word, so I'm going to walk away from that and leave that alone. But here's what you and I try to do is we try to justify it. And that was paid for by the cross, wasn't it? So I guess it's okay. Let's just go ahead and eat that. Let's go do this. And it's okay. Nobody else can see. Not realizing that God can see. Nobody else is going to know. But you didn't. Well, God knows. And you know. We'll get into it a little bit later, but as soon as they bit the fruit, they realized that they were naked and ashamed. They were aware now. They had the knowledge now of what was good and what was evil. Every day, you and I have the free will to choose. And I want you to think of it from this standpoint. But to disobey God, in this case, was to forfeit eternity. They had the tree of life. And they could freely eat from it. If you look later on in Revelation, this would be healing for all the nations. They forfeited everlasting, eternal life with God. Remember, they were walking with God in the cool of the day. Just so they can have what God says, don't eat, because you will surely die. Disobedience forfeited eternal life. And you and I, are sitting here today, I believe, with the same choices. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose better. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're listening to me? Choose better. <laughs> if you really look at it this way, Eve could have, got up, could have got up to that tree, and even though the serpent was there, remember, the serpent was crafty more than any other um, animal or, 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 or serpent. He was just crafty. So he knew what to say. But Eve could have walked up to that tree and said, do I really need this? This is one stupid tree, and I've got like a forest of trees to choose from. There's one piece of fruit, but I can go over here and I can gather like truckloads of fruit. I could eat anything I want. Maybe they had steak fruit. Who knows? Maybe they had donut fruit. Who knows what they had? But I could eat all of this except for this. She could have said, do I really need it? When you're about to do something that you know is wrong and it probably shouldn't, consider that the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, slow down, buddy. And ask yourself, do I really need this right now? When you're scrolling through Amazon, you know who you are. And you're like, do I add this to cart right now? I can hear my wife's voice in my ear going, do we really, do we really need that, babe? And you're trying to justify it. Oh, yeah, we do. Because we need 45 gallons of mayonnaise right now. And then you say, honey, this is a deal. It's a steal. When it comes to life, choose better. Make sure you choose the things of God. Something to think about, but 
if you really look here, it's a wrestle that has to do with our will and God's will. And that's usually what it all boils down to when it comes to choices. Am I going to fulfill my will or am I going to walk out his will? Some things that I wrote down here is that God's will is for you so that you can have his favor, so that you can bear the holy image of God, and so that you can live eternally with him. Those were the things that they had in the garden. The moment that they chose their own will, well then, now you get God's displeasure with you. Now you have the awful effects of disobedience. Now you have, you're more liable to pain. Now disease can happen. And death, he said, you will surely die. And then now, because of our sinful nature, we feel the torment of what it's like to be passionate towards sin. You have a natural bent to go towards sin. And then we see what happens because now they had to be separated from God because their nature changed. Changed. They, in essence, in their disobedience to God, they forfeited their holy nature. Remember, they were holy. They were made in the image of God. They could co- live with God. They could be there with God. But the moment they chose to disobey, they forfeited their holy nature and their image of God and became sinful creatures. There's so much more of a cost than you realize to give in to the lustful passions of what's available to you. Another thing to make note of is that, remember, Adam was given dominion by God. It's called a porcupine probably because Adam named it a porcupine. He was given dominion by God. But how can you have dominion with God when you can't even rule over yourself? We're such an entitled bunch of people sometimes. I'm a child of God. Yes, I should have the Mercedes. No. There's so many things that you and I feel like we're entitled to be able to go do, and in the name of God, we'll claim it. In the name of God, we'll pursue it. We don't realize the path that it's leading us to. And if anything, you can look at verses 16 and 17, and you'll come to realize that this is actually what the serpent used to put into question and lead Adam and Eve toward a path of sin. But the other thing that you need to realize is that you now, today, have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to govern your decisions. And it's just a matter of you walking by the Spirit so that you can understand that the Spirit is speaking to you and you can say no where you need to say no. Have you ever had those holy no's where you, it was so hard to say no, but you yielded to the Holy Spirit and you said no and walked away and you were so happy that you did? My brother, one time he was, he works in a hospital and he said that doctors always, you know, or doctors or pharmaceutical companies will bring food into their department. And he happened to be fasting with us one time. And so as he was fasting, I don't know what they brought, but they probably brought Friendly's Donuts or something incredible like that. 
And my brother said, I remember standing in line looking at what I could eat. I saw fruit, I saw grapes, something, and I saw donuts. <laughs> and I looked at the grapes, then I looked at the donuts. And he said, no, to the donuts, and he walked away. And he says, in that space, I felt like I was Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said it was the best no I've ever had in a long time. Sometimes saying no to your passions, your earthly passions, your fleshly patterns, uh, those are like some of the most amazing no's that you can say. But you need the Holy Spirit to govern you. How does the Holy Spirit govern you? It's because you have these things called uh, the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, look at Galatians chapter 5, and we'll put it up on the screen for you. This, these are Paul's words, and he says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I don't think that anybody's sitting here saying, I don't want to follow God. But most of us just have a hard time saying no to the things we're supposed to say no to and saying yes to the things that we're supposed to say yes to because we're not allowing the, the Holy Spirit to govern you and I. You're not walking by the Spirit, so now you're gratifying the desires of the flesh. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Isn't it crazy that Paul would list all these things? Just in case something was missed, it's included in here. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, just like Adam and Eve, they were made to be distant from God because of their choices in life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sometimes in your moments of decision, you just need a little bit of self-control in your life. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. I want you to know that these are not nine individual fruits, but this is all one fruit. You don't need the Holy Spirit to divide things nine different ways for you. But if you have him... You have self-control. It's just a matter of you walking it out. You don't need to sit there and go, Lord, I just need to pray for more self-control. No, no, no. You need to pray for a better measure of the Holy Spirit. I need to curb my flesh so I can walk out the Spirit. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. It's really easy to get caught up in 2024 and go, I just want what I want. I need to have everything that I want. I can just be able to live what I want. You know, we live in such a time where, like, if, like, cell service, if you, you ever been in a, a rough spot where there's no cell service and you're like, am I in the third world country? Where am I? <laughs> you get mad if your Google search takes longer than 0.9 seconds. Yeah. Something's wrong with this phone. I need to call AT&T. No. We're so used to that. And so when it comes to making decisions in the name of God and following God, Slow and steady is always the way to go. 
You walk, but you notice he doesn't say you sprint by the Holy Spirit because every single decision that is made by the Holy Spirit when he's governing your life, it's slow, it's calculated, it's walked out. It's never in a rush. I was telling you guys before, we've been saving for almost three years, four years now, so that I can finally get a new truck. Well, I wanted a new truck four years ago. Could I have bought it? Yeah, I could have. But I don't want to be a slave to the lender. My Bible tells me not to. So I'd rather save, and I'll take the long route, and supernaturally, God will work it out so that my old car will last a long time and be just fine. And I bet you even when I do go buy a new truck, I'll probably be really hesitant to go buy it because I waited four years for this puppy. Do I want to spend the money on this or do I want to wait? Pray for me because I'm struggling. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You have a rhythm by the way that you're supposed to walk, and it's according to the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. Don't be in a rush to do anything. Don't walk too slow. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Picture the garden that you're able to walk with God in the cool of the day, or if it's summer in Nevada, in the warmth and the hot of the day. But God is with you. Somebody say amen to that. And as I was saying earlier, verse 16 and 17, this is what the enemy used to flip things upside down. And I don't think most of us deliberately choose to sin. Usually it stems from believing a series of lies. You believe one lie, and it will lead to another. And you believe one lie, and it will lead to another. Next thing you know, you find yourself in the path of sin. And when the opportunity presents itself, it's really hard to say no. Let me give you a couple of things that we see here that can identify the path of sin. How do you know it's the path of sin? Number one, the path of sin is always marked by a lack of understanding God's word. The path of sin is always marked by the lack of understanding God's word. All that she heard, all that he heard was, don't eat this. You would think that in their understanding of everything that God has said, he did say, you can eat every tree in the garden except for this one. Understanding is, I can eat all of this except for this. A lack of understanding is like, why can't I eat this? Why is, why is he oppressing me? Why is he limiting me? Why is he saying no to me right here? Am I not his first creation? Am I not greater than the aardvark and the porcupine? Didn't he not give me a mind? Did he not form me with his hands? And did he not breathe the breath of life into me? Why is he saying no to me? You don't understand what God is saying to you. Because he's saying you can have all of this except for this because you're going to die. You and I, today, 2024, you know, I think Barna says that we have on the average of six Bibles in every home. And most of them are gathering dust. 
We keep wondering which way we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to navigate, neglecting to go look and hear from God himself. You'll wait till a Sunday until I come and speak before you would actually open this up Monday through Saturday. It cannot be that way. My people perish from a lack of knowledge is what the Bible says. Death came into the garden to Adam and Eve because they lacked understanding of what God had said. You should treat this as though death and life is presented before you because it is. You wonder how important God's word is to you? Go. This week, here's your homework assignment. Go read Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm. And before you go, man, why couldn't he give me Jude? Jude's only one book. <laughs> because Psalm 119 specifically talks about God's law, God's word, God's command. And the more that you value everything that God says, you'll find yourself in a position of being fruitful. And if you're wondering where Psalm 119 is, I heard a Jewish rabbi explain it this way. Right smack in the middle of your Bible is usually Psalm 119. It's right in the middle. Why? Because at the center of the Bible, at the heart of the Bible, is God's word. You should cherish God's word. You are so much more fortunate than the prophets of old because you have the word of God available to you. You and I should never fall into the um, category of lacking understanding of God's word. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Second thing, the path of sin is to doubt what God has said. The path of sin is lacked by a is marked by a lack of understanding God's word. And it's also marked by doubting what God has said. Because that's exactly what the enemy did to twist things to Eve. Did God really say that you were going to die if you ate of that fruit? And now she began to doubt. We were just talking about this at, at my men's breakfast this morning. Is that it's interesting how you see Abraham hear from God, not even bat an eye. He just go do it. Then you hear Isaac, pretty close to Abraham. By the time you got to Jacob, all of a sudden it's free game. Like Jacob was struggling to believe. But then you have a guy like Joseph who all of a sudden, whatever God said, I'm going to hold on to. I got a dream. I'm holding on to that dream. Yeah, Martin Luther King had a dream, but Joseph had a dream before MLK did. He had a dream that Chiefs fans and 49ers fans will live together in harmony. <laughs> and here, if you look now at Moses, there's 400 years between Joseph and Moses. And we wonder why that they had a hard time. Moses had a hard time trusting God. He kept coming up with excuses. But God, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to talk. How could I stand before Pharaoh? I love how God responds. Did, not, did I not make the mouth? I know how your mouth works, dude. And then he, say, he said, I also know your brother. Doesn't your brother know how to talk? I made him too. So go. 
The more and more distant you are from the testimony of God, the easier it is for you to doubt. The path of sin will either be marked by a lack of understanding of God's word or doubting God's word. Sometimes it's just one of those, like, I'm old enough to remember the nesty plunge. Remember that? Just fall into the pool, baby. You'll be all right. Trust God. Third thing that marks the path of sin is that it's a lack of submission to God's will. Verse 15 says that the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So work the garden, keep it. Stop worrying about what you can or cannot do. Simply do what God has told you to do. Submit to the will of God. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I can't help but think of this as I read what Moses wrote in Genesis 2. But starting in verse number 11, God says this, For this commandment that I command to you today, it's not too hard for you, neither it is far off. Can I tell you that what I'm sharing with you today, God's word, choosing to obey God's commandments, choosing to walk out what he has said, it's not far off. It's not too hard. It's not in heaven, verse 12. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. The Psalms say, out of the abundance of, oh no, Jesus says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. It's what you populate your heart with. If you fill your heart with lies, then lies will come out of it. Untruthful things will come out of it. That's why the psalmist says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You've been given a breastplate of righteousness as part of your armor of God. Somebody say amen to that. Put you, some, some of you need to gird yourself in, in that. Just make sure that you tighten that sucker up. Because I don't want anything coming into my heart that will cause these things or this to be unholy. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can do it. Verse 15 he says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Once again, you're back with the two trees. Everlasting life or the knowledge of good and evil. One you can have. This is life and good. This you cannot have. This will surely lead to death. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. That's one of my favorite verses, and the reason, because that'll preach right there. You don't need to look for points. The points are right there. If you love the Lord your God, 
if you walk in his ways, if you keep his commandments and statutes and rules, then you will live and multiply. You will be fruitful, and God will bless you in the land that you're about to inherit. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. It's right in front of you. Everything that God has set up for you and I here on this earth is right there. You've been given everything according, pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that you need is right in front of you. Choose God. Choose the things that he says. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. God's word is close to you. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. John wrote, and he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was there in the beginning with God. The Word of God is near you. Just like he said here, you don't have to go all the way to heaven to go redeem the Word and hear it. It's not far from you, nor is it too hard for you. But it has to be in your heart and in your mouth, not just in your ears. If you hear it with your ears, it has to penetrate deep into your heart. Can I tell you that that's the difference between hearing the word of God and those that just simply listen to the word of God? Is because hearing it ought to penetrate deep into your heart. And you should be able to repeat it. I put such a high emphasis on memorizing scripture. I was telling, you know, we had a meeting last night. I had a meeting at the meeting last night. I was telling them, like, Jesus didn't go grab the scroll real quick when he was battling Satan in the wilderness. I know he was the word, but he called to mind out of his heart. He spoke. And when Satan said, hey, go ahead and turn these stones into bread, he was able to quote scripture and says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you have that in you? Because if you don't, then you're doing yourself a disservice. I didn't see Daniel Hecker here today, but I'm going to talk about him because he's not here. <laughs> but he's telling me last night, he's like, I was started, I was going through a moment where I felt really discouraged and depressed. I, can, I could feel myself going dark. Well, in his discipleship group, he's memorizing scripture. And he's been at it now for three weeks. So we had three Weeks worth of three-by-five cards that he had memorized of Scripture. He said, I pulled those things out, and I did my best to just memorize what I remembered in that moment. And he told me, Pastor, can I tell you that that darkness went away so fast. You need the Word of God to fight the enemy. The Word of God is likened to a sword. It's the only offensive weapon 
that you and I have. If you want to inherit the promises of God, if you want to keep the covenant of God, keep your part of the agreement, then you got to walk out his commandments. And then if you're going to walk out all that he says, you need to know what he's saying. This is literally just like Nike. You just got to go do it. Can I tell you that love is a choice? We like to think of love as a feeling, and I know Valentine's Day is coming up, and everybody's... My wife used to use this word. Uh, she said that we would all be Twitter-pated to one another. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, kind of get like all feely and, and stuff like that. But can I tell you that you can't rest on love being a feeling all the time because there's moments... We have to choose love. When you're met against making a decision between life and death, you have to choose which way you're going to go. And sometimes the choice that you have to make doesn't feel good. You treat it like it, it's a burden. But can I tell you that loving God should not be a burden? Obeying God should not be a burden. 1 John 5.3 it says this, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. Did you know that there's 613 laws according to the Jewish tradition? And, and one of my rabbinical friends said that most of us already obey them. If you're a follower of Jesus, most of you already obey them. You don't even realize that you're doing it. Just because you love God and you choose to follow him. So now is your opportunity. I want you to, I want to close with this thought. All you have now, today, when you make your choices, is you have an opportunity to stand for God. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were tempted and they were tested and they failed. Fast forward thousands of years later. Jesus was now in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted by Satan. He was fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. He was hangry. And Satan shows up to tempt him. He was tempted himself. He was tested himself. But he overcame what did he use to overcome? The word of God. What's another way of saying that? He used the commandments of God to overcome. Every single God-given commandment is to ensure a path that you would walk out so that you can receive and fulfill the covenant that he has made with you. You have to choose how you're going to walk. Let me read this passage of scripture to you in Ephesians chapter 6, and then I'm going to close. But starting in verse number 10, Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say to rely on your own strength and your own might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on. Turn your neighbor and say, put it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes 
of the devil. You can't stand without putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's not the dude that you're fighting against in your office. You're not fighting against your children. Maybe there's some demonic version of your child, but at the same time, you're not fighting against them. You're wrestling against a darker force, something that is not visible. Remember that. You know, that goes as far back as Genesis chapter 6. I'm super excited to get there when we get there. But you will see things like that, and you see the source of it. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, all of it. Take the whole thing up, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now, Paul repeats himself again. He says, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul was in chains, but he was the freest guy I've ever met in my life, I've ever known in my life. He was an ambassador in chains talking about how he could use his mouth boldly to proclaim the truth. This is a far cry of what we see today. You stub your toe, you're not talking. Here's Paul, equipped with the call of God on his life, filled in his heart with the gospel. And he's telling you and I to, to, to put on the whole armor of God. I believe that life is set before you. It's, it's right there. It's, it's, if you think about the Exodus, there's a lot of people that were set free. There's a lot of people that, that were now out of bondage. But not everybody got to the promise and possessed the promise. Today, I want the promise. I want, I want everything that God has laid out before me. So I'm going to choose to obey and walk his way. If disobedience causes me to lose sight of eternity. I don't want any part of that. I want life. Somebody say amen to that. So I'm going to dress myself according to the way that Paul says. I'm putting it all on so I can stand. So when the enemy tries to lie, tries to pervert the truth, he's not going to be able to do it with me because I have now put on the helmet of salvation. I've girded myself with the belt of truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My feet have been shod with the gospel of peace, and I'm ready to run wherever God tells me to go. I'm ready to speak wherever God has told me to speak. I have a shield of faith that I can quench every fiery dart that comes against me. You have a shield. Use it. Don't ask me to use my shield for you. Pastor, can you pray for me? Where's your faith? 
Lift up your shield. Equip yourself with the sword and fight back. I am the head and I am not the tail. I have been formed and knit together in my mother's womb. Behold, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made me. He doesn't make mistakes. You do that and you will be able to stand. And you will be able to possess every promise that God has laid before you if you choose to walk his way. Somebody say amen to that. Stand with me, church. Let's pray.